Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Hey, thanks for checking out the podcast. Coming up, Fiona Odlum. It's Friday, so it's Friday Fun Day with Fiona. Al Castell is with Alpha Technologies. We're going to talk to him on the podcast today about drones possibly replacing Winnipeg's police helicopter. And she's running for mayor, and she reacts to comments from our current mayor, Brian Bowman. Jenny Makala coming up on the podcast. Please rate the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast. And now, here we go, the podcast. Friday, fun day with Fiona. Fiona Odlum joins us live from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Hello, Fiona. Hey, Broski. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm pretty good, actually. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. I think I finally caught up on all my sleep from the banjo bowl. <laughs> Was it fun? I saw pictures. <laughs> I saw photos of you and our Greg Mackling. I yeah I saw him it was so nice to see him and I saw Bob Irving it was so funny when I saw Bob he gave me this like huge hug he's like Fiona I love you I hate your shirt (laughs) you were wearing the damn green shirt I know oh man so you were worried going into the banjo bowl that Mm -hmm. people were maybe not going to be all that nice how were they Mm -hmm. Uh, generally pretty good. Yeah. One person did flip my hat off my face. Oh wow! Um, and there was a, a an F sharp that went with it. <laughs> but I I think it was in fun. Yeah. <laughs> but no, no, it was really cool. And like, like the bomber fans were great. I feel really bad for oh, Matt Nichols. Gee. Like. Like, ooh, bad. Yeah. But, like, the Bomber fans were awesome. Good. And it was kind of cool for me because, like, when I would see other Ryder fans, it was, like, this, like, real subtle, like, we'd walk by with a real small high five, go Riders. <laughs> it was, like, pretty cool. But it was really funny when I was, like, flying in. So, like, I had to do this terrible flight, Saskatoon, Calgary, Calgary, Winnipeg. And on the Isn't Calgary... Isn't that crazy? It's, oh, it's bananas. That's I, nuts. I, I, yeah. It's like, it's a 55 minute flight if I can get direct. Otherwise, it's four and a half hours. Wow. But, but I'm in Calgary and on my flight was this guy wearing head to toe jets gear. Ooh, he gave a master class in stink eye. Because <laughs> I was wearing my rider gear already yeah. on Friday, right? Uh-huh. He wasn't having it. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's not talk anymore about the riders here, no, okay? No, I don't want to talk about that. It's, no, a, it's, a, it's, to... it's a bye week for us, so just let us yeah. enjoy a week off, yes. and then hopefully we can yeah. turn things around. All right, what did you want to say? But but I wanted to say, though, um, like I haven't been back, like, when was the last time I was back? I think in the winter time, and it was like super quick. Um, but now I got to see Winnipeg. Like we drove around. My husband Derek and I we drove around a bunch, and wow, number one, that new Red River campus on Route 90 there. Yeah. Like beautiful. Nice. Eh? Like yeah. Tip of the hat. That looks incredible. Mm-hmm. We did a drive around Assiniboine Park. Um, I love what they're doing, like with the new conservatory and all that sort of jazz. Yeah. And I got to see my boyfriend Blizzard. I love Blizzard, and I was really happy to who's see. The, wait a minute, who's Blizzard? What's that? The blonde, Alba, the blonde bison. Oh, okay, all right, okay. Yeah, so Blizz, I've always loved Blizz. Mm. I feel like he doesn't get enough attention. Those polar bears steal his thunder. Right. And I was, I was really happy because every time I've like ever gone to see him, he's always been like a loner. 
But on Sunday, he had a bunch of friends. Oh, I was like, that oh, nice. Amazing. Yes. Um, so that was really great. And and I have to say, like, um, the vibe and the energy at the stadium was really great. Yes. So that was awesome. Yeah. Um, but I want to talk about the Winnipeg Drivers. Oh, you're not going to go here, to. are you? See, I knew I, I had I, a feeling you were going to go here because you said something <laughs> to me, and I thought, I hope she doesn't bring that up. Because you've already got some people mad at you for calling our province... Well, I'm not going to say it because I don't want to get... Don't that. say it because no. you said things to me too. I know, but I'm in Manitoba. You I can me. say that. You're on the air in Manitoba. <laughs> you can't call us that. What do you want to say about our drivers? Go. I knew you were going to go oh. here. <laughs> okay. So, like, I've lived in a whole bunch of provinces in yeah. the last couple of years. Mm. And you drive on the 401 in Toronto. It's like you're taking your life in your own hands, right? right. But the one thing about Toronto is is they know how to change lanes. And they will just like whoop in, out, boop, boop, no yeah, problem. Right. In Saskatoon, Regina, let me tell you, you're about to change lanes. Everybody stops like, oh, 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 oh Fiona wants to go into a lane. Okay, we're just going to move over. Yeah. Yeah. Winnipeg, you're going to change lanes. Uh-uh, not on my watch, girl. Yeah. I, you know I'm going to speed up and cut you off. I, I'll tell you what. <laughs> I will agree with you on that one. That is such a pet peeve of mine. And you know what? It happened mm-hmm. again this morning. And I just don't understand it. If I've got my signal light on and I'm kind of veering into that lane, yeah. why not just do me a favor? You touch the brake. You let me in. It's all. Give yeah. me a wave. It's all good. I agree that we are terrible about that here. I don't know why we don't just let people in. I know. I don't get it either. I feel like the minute we put on our indicator to be like, hey, we're coming into your lane, it was like, you are about no, to attack not. me and my family. No, you're no, not. You're not. <laughs> you're not coming. <laughs> Hell no. Not on my watch. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I know. Like, it's crazy. It, yeah, it wasn't great. But I'm I like, did. You know, uh, Derek, but Sorry, go ahead. Finish. Well, you know that Derek, he's like, he's the sweetest man. Yeah. Like, so sweet. He was like, Fiona, mm. this guy gave me the finger. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, welcome home, baby. Yeah, welcome home. to Winnipeg. But I'll tell you what, knowing that you were, and I and I will agree with you on that. I didn't know you were going to get into the whole uh, letting people in thing. Uh, I agree with you. But I did a little research, worried that you were going to dump on our drivers. Oh, and I no, actually, no, no. Yes, I did. And I found okay. uh, McLean's Magazine, pretty reputable magazine. McLean's yeah. Magazine crunched some numbers. And uh, okay. they took a look at population and casualties. I think this was okay. last year. The worst province in the country, Saskatchewan. 13.2 oh, yeah, sure. casualties per 100,000 people. When, uh, Manitoba is seventh on the list. We have less than half as many casualties. Hmm. Yeah, I thought that was kind of well, interesting. That, yeah, I will admit that, like, you know, there's a lot of times when I'm reading the news here that um, there's been people hit on the side of the road out walking or like it's not we don't get it so much in town it's out of town where things go awry and i i i don't want to speculate on on what it is but i mean there there may be no mistaking the fact that we also have the highest drinking and driving rates in the country right so it's a huge huge problem here hey i got a i'm running out of time and i got a surprise for you and i want to read a couple i want to read a couple text messages here because people are weighing in here uh, okay, I agree with her. Our drivers are terrible. Wow, they're agreeing with you on this, but they get mad Yay! when you talk about her when you talk about her football team. Uh, Adam says riders suck, but she's right. Our Manitoba drivers <laughs> suck. 
Uh, be sure yeah. to tell Fiona that Eau de, Eau de Watermelon, it, Watermelon is not a perfume. Uh, <laughs> I drive semi, so I see the worst in people. She's right, Hal. Mm-hmm. Tim says, Hal, that finger that she got was because she was wearing a green rider shirt. <laughs> uh, so anyhow, there's some reaction by text message at uh, 204-780-6868. By the way, today is Hug Your Boss Day, Live Creative Day. Coloring Day, Cream-Filled Donut Day, and Stand Up mm. to Cancer Day. I wanted to mention that. Nice. I know you're a big donut person. What's your yeah. favorite donut? It's a Winnipeg donut, isn't it? Um. Well, oh, no, well, I love... Oh, uh, no, it comes, uh, comes from uh, Thunder Bay or something, doesn't Thunder it? Thunder Bay. Yeah, those donuts are so good. What are those called again? Uh, uh, I can't remember now. Uh, I thought for sure you would remember. That's why I mentioned that. Yeah, no, what are those called? Because oh. my, my go-to donut is super lame. I love old-fashioned plain. Do you? I'm so lame. Wow. Oh, my God. Although a good plain donut, done well is excellent. Mm-hmm. It is fantastic. Not too greasy, yeah. right? Somebody will yeah, tell what us what you? the name of that donut yeah, is. Somebody is... will tell us. I'm kind of an apple fritter guy. I'm more like an apple fritter guy or well, that's kind of me. Hey, okay, so here's my surprise. I noticed that okay. it was on this day in 1985 that the Golden Girls <laughs> that the Golden Girls debuted. What are you is that your phone going or I thought you were playing music yeah. for me. No, I was trying to find out the Thunder Bay donut, and then oh. all of a sudden Aretha Franklin came on. I'm okay, like, oh, you know what? Boy. Jack just told us they're called Parisians. Uh, yeah, Parisians. Thanks, Thank you, Jack. Jack. Yeah. Anyhow, because it okay, was on GGs, this day in 1985, Golden Girls debut. I put this together just for you, Fiona. I'm a hardcore geek about the Golden Girls, like big time. Like it's it's kind of embarrassing. No, it's embarrassing for others that they don't share my love of the GGs. <laughs> you know, it's hard on them. Yes. I have like I have every Golden Girl action figurine that is available. Wait a minute, there are Golden Girl action. They should be Golden Girl in action figures. <laughs> Who is your favorite? Oh, Blanche. Yeah. But you know what? I I want to be Blanche so hard, but I know I'm a Dorothy. It's okay. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. I have no idea what that even means. So there you go, Fiona, just for you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Fiona. Thank you for being a friend. I really appreciate your friendship. And thanks for doing this every Friday. We're out of time. Got to go. Have a great okay. weekend, okay? You too, my dear. Love All you. Bye. All right. Bye. Some people think that we should replace Winnipeg's police helicopter with drones. And joining us now on the phone to talk about this is Alan Castell at Alpha Technologies, just up the street on Portage, after, Portage Avenue. Good afternoon, Al. Good afternoon, Hal. How are you? Great. Thanks for doing this, Al. So we know the Mounties have used drones for stuff like finding grow operations and lost hikers. But would drones be a good idea in Winnipeg instead of our very expensive police helicopter, in your opinion? You know, unfortunately, I've been asked that question a lot. Unfortunately, at least in my opinion, no, because there's too many things that guys don't understand about drones. And one of them is they can't be powered by gas or jet fuel like a helicopter can. 
So a helicopter can land, fill up, and it's back up in the air, and it's probably got a runtime in the neighborhood of at least a couple of hours that it can sit around and hover. Whereas anything that's drone-like, one, they're electrical because vibrations from an internal combustion engine would shake the cameras all over the place. So the vibration would be notorious if it was gas-powered. That being said, if we have to use batteries, battery technology, we're getting maybe. Now, we're talking a traditional multi-rotor or something that's got like four or five blades that hovers, not a plane. In the case of a multi-rotor, how you're probably looking at at the longest safely 30 minutes in the air. So I guess that's why then uh, surveillance doesn't work with a drone. Well, surveillance doesn't work in that sense because you don't have a lot of runtime. You have an incredible amount of radio that you need to have going back and forth. For example, you have to control what it is that you're flying. So you have one frequency that that creates a link to the drone that allows you to fly it, so to speak. You then have on the drone side a video transmitter or what's called a VTX that transmits the signal back to whatever you're watching it on, whether it's goggles or a screen. So those two are separate frequencies and both of them, in order to you for you to do your job, have to be operating properly. Once it's radio, I mean, you're on radio. Are there people that have had problems listening to you once in a while? <laughs> once in a while, yep. There you go. So in that case, and you're looking at something that is much more regulated and at a lower frequency, you start getting into some higher frequencies. The technology does exist and guys have done it. And this is not something you have to go to, to grad school to figure out on being able to interrupt those frequencies. So in the case of something that you're flying around in the city, depending on the size, if you lose control of it, many things can happen. Or if you can't see where you're going, many things can happen. So there's no real pilot on it. And there's a pilot that is ex effectively talking to it over hundreds of meters or miles or kilometers. So if something goes wrong, you're not in there to figure it out. You now are either blind or you have something that is running out of control. And that's to me, what the biggest hampering of, of using something like this would be, at least from a multi-rotor standpoint. Now, we switch to planes, Hal. RC planes, I've built ones that can hover around in the air and glide around for over an hour. I have friends that have pushed ones from Calgary to the mountains and back on a battery. So planes are a significantly different beast because they have the ability to glide or to, to you know, more or less hang around in the air without using a lot of power. So there are people, and I have actually helped to spec uh, one out for uh, the guys that were looking to find poachers. Something all black that could sit around and use what's called a flare camera, which detects heat. That would then be able to see people in the forest, animals, etc., and be able to, to hang around in the air long enough for it to be worth something. So you see the plane idea then as being a possible solution here in the city of Winnipeg for the police. Based upon the size that they would use or what type of application, absolutely. I, I know of guys that have, have flown planes just on the outskirts of the city. And one, you have, on a multi-rotor, you have a lot of motors. You have four minimum motors that are spinning, which creates a lot of interference and, and problems on board and the, the effect of lack of runtime. With a plane, you're usually dealing with one simple electric motor on the back and the ability to carry a lot more payload. So you've got the ability to carry, for example, a FLIR camera. You know, something like that would be able to spot heat sources. And this is in reference to what the RCMP are doing. That's exactly what they're doing. Right. Because when you have a grow up, you're creating heat and that, and that building will stand out a little more than, than anything else. So it makes a lot of sense for the RCMP using it that way. But, 
years ago, they were using some helicopters to survey crash sites and they had something like seven minutes to be able to go up and fly around and then land. So that wasn't a really effective uh, use of our taxpayer money. And what would the cost be like on a plane as opposed to a drone? Probably cheaper. There's less equipment in it. Again, having something custom built and probably what I would do is I would go to some of the firms that are doing work for agricultural guys. Because when you're doing ag and you're scouting out, you know, chlorophyll production in plants, for example, um, that is something where the plane has to fly a bunch of routes. So it's actually pre-programmed, which takes us into another topic, but this is something now that has been given its waypoints. And it now, you basically launch it, you hit a button, you say, go fly your waypoints, and it has a brain and GPS on board. And it literally will fly certain patterns over top of fields so that farmers can then do an, and agronomists can do data analysis on the chlorophyll production and therefore use fertilizer in a spot manner versus hitting everything. So there already is planes that are built for agricultural applications that could easily be modified to, for use in the city. That's very cool. So it sort of follows a route then and checks on things and comes back and tells you what it found. Absolutely. Traffic. I mean, look how many guys put up traffic helicopters. I don't even want to guess at the cost of the fuel, whereas you could have something that with proper regulation, with staying underneath certain altitudes, you could have something that could easily launch from, say, the top of a building and go and scout itself around, fly down certain streets to go and, and give live feedback, you know, back to, to whoever is monitoring it so that you could real time, you know, call out your, your traffic situations in Winnipeg at rush hour. Chatting with Al Castell at Winnipeg's Alpha Technologies about the idea of replacing our police helicopter with drones. Al, I think the main reason uh, people have suggested drones are better than the chopper is because that chopper is expensive to operate. So, uh, once you buy a drone, or as you suggested, an RC plane, then the cost of operation is minimal, isn't it? It's much smaller, but you would still have to apply the same mentality that you do with a helicopter. When that lands, the crew spends countless hours going every, going over every single bolt. I mean, that's where a lot of your costs come from. But that is why, you know, we get in a plane quite comfortably. I don't know if we'd want to be, at this time at least, getting into any type of a craft or even using a craft over a city where the potential, if something goes wrong, I mean, understand if something goes wrong, you've got something that is out of control. There's no pilot on board who's been trained to deal with a power outage on a helicopter and how to safely land. You're dealing with something that, depending on what went wrong, is coming down into traffic. Not going to be as disastrous as if a helicopter came down, but definitely could cause some problems if you came down in a busy street. I mean, coming down on Route 90, for example, in rush hour could cause another accident. But that's probably more of a minor concern. But yeah, you're absolutely right. The cost would be significantly less. The maintenance cost would be significantly less. And that's only going to continue to go down as time goes on. And just to clarify, these are unmanned planes. They're smaller than a normal plane, right? I mean, they're not big. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, it's not as big as the Reapers that the American government uses, you know, for drone strikes, because right. those are very expensive and very big. I, I mean, I built ones, the one that went out and, and, like I said, flew 100 kilometers and hung out in the air for probably two and a half hours on one battery. I think the wingspan, and these are like a glider. You know, your traditional gliders, they're built very much like that. So they got lots of, of wing. Yeah. They're built out of styrofoam, hell. So they're really, the, the cost of, of the body is, is quite cheap. I think that was, the wingspan was about five feet. I've seen them as big as seven feet, but, and this is one, again, being built by one or two people in their garages. So nothing that's overly complicated. And we're doing, you know, those kind of builds for under $1,500. Wow. So, you know, and that's in a hobby level. So once you get into more of a commercial level, there's a bunch of extras that you'd have to put in. Mm -hmm. But again, the technology is there. It is tried and tested. 
Uh, I mean, I, I've done drone work for uh, the Manitoba government looking for beaver dams where I was going out five kilometers over top of extremely wooded areas up north looking for doing 4K footage so that they could do anal analysis when they got back and try to find where the beaver dams were because they were having problems with water being too high. So I've actually gone out five kilometers on something that is a commercial-based product, but I mean, I'm carrying insurance. I'm, mm -hmm. I, I've been doing this, you know, for six or seven years. Right. So, you know, I think our fire department picked up one as well, which... They did. I just talked and, to them a couple of weeks ago, and they love it. They use it on fire so they can get a better look at exactly what's going on so they know how to send in the firefighters. Exactly. And that is, the, is, is a very good application for that type of, of a device where you're basically putting it up and you're looking at an existing spot where you've got a problem. You're not hunting to find the problem. You know where it is. You're now just trying to get yourself more information and more data. So that was a great application of, of what the fire department was using. And I think what they're using is something that's simple enough that it doesn't require you to be really skilled at flying it. It can go up and it can hold itself in a space. So, so yeah, that, that's a great application. That one I was quite happy with. Yeah, because I've got a drone. I mean, it's just a basic uh, uh, drone, nothing crazy, and it's got mm -hmm. a camera on it that w has a 4K camera on it. And I'm surprised at how easy it is to operate. Yeah, yeah. Now, that's got programming in it. It knows, and, and right. I, I could probably guess that the one you have, it, I, I have a similar one, and because of how close I am to the airport, it won't even let me lift off in my yard, which is fantastic. I mean, I'm glad yeah. of those restrictions because Absolutely. that eliminates a lot of the stupidity going on. Right. But what people need to understand is because of the internet, there's so many, I mean, we build, we custom build most of the ones that we have, and they're not limited in the same way that a commercial one would be. So because we know how to do it safely, we're fine. But there are a lot of people that, and you can go and read the stories if you do the right search on people that are building these for bad applications. So, I mean, as good as we can get at putting something up in the air around the city, what's to stop somebody from doing what they did last year, for example, near U of M when you had a jet coming in and they, all of a sudden there was a drone that was up at a thousand feet or something when a, when a plane was coming in on a landing pattern. I mean, right. I don't think they ever got that guy. And mm. what we, again, we have to remember is if you put that drone of yours up, Hal, and let's say you put it up downtown and then at a certain point you just decided because you wanted to cause some chaos, you just turned your radio off and you threw it in a dumpster. Right. Who would know whose drone that is without serial numbers and who would know who was controlling it? Because you could be anywhere within five kilometers of that thing. So you couldn't, even, you might not even not be downtown. So you, you have to think of the fact is, is where do we cap this? Like if it's going to be commercial for that application, how are we going to restrict it? Are we going to have a space uh, between X amount of feet and X amount of feet or meters that is for the traffic drones, for example? Um, are we, I mean, look at Amazon Prime. They want to do delivery. Hasn't really seemed to have happened yet or we would have heard about it because we've got so many restrictions once you start putting something in the air. Yeah. It's not like a car. It's mm -hmm. not like when there's an accident that runs. This is something that's falling from hundreds of feet right. with whatever happens to be on it into whatever happens to be below it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that to me is still going to be the restriction, whether it is for a commercial purpose or going to be for the, you know, the hobby. At least with hobby, we're going out in the country somewhere and we're over top of grass. You know, in the city, there's a potential disaster waiting to happen, depending on who we have in government that's making the decisions on what product, which is best, you know, which is not. And, you know, unfortunately, that's where I see decisions being made, like the RCMP with a helicopter, where they, you know, maybe didn't consult with somebody who's been doing this for quite a while and made a decision based upon, you know, their own internal. I would suggest they need to talk to you because I know you are, man, I'm telling you, 
Uh, when it comes to drones, you are the man. You've got it all as far as I'm concerned. One more, <laughs> one more question before I let you go. So we've talked about yeah. the Winnipeg uh, Fire and Paramedic Service and their drone, and you've suggested, mm-hmm. hey, maybe we go with planes as opposed to drones for Winnipeg police if they ever decide to get rid of that chopper. Any other applications in the city of Winnipeg that you could see uh, uh, these drones or planes working? Well, I mean, there's ones that I've actually done from the standpoint of heat releasing from a roof on a large flat top building. I can fly a drone over top of that building at a certain altitude that is below the, you know, kind of the hundred foot cap that we have in the city. If, mm. if you're somebody doing it commercially yep. and see where heat is leaking out through that roof so that instead of tarring the whole roof, you can now selectively, you know, tar there. Uh, traffic, you know, traffic, I think is always going to yep. be a big one. Right. Um, you know, they're using, and there was a, an RFI that was out or a request for information on uh, at the landfill. So taking a snapshot of a landfill and using 3D calculations to calculate how much landfill is going in by week, by month, et cetera, based upon doing snapshots and comparison video of the landfill sites. There's another application that, that to me would, is, is a great idea instead of having guys trying to go out and, and manpower. One of the coolest ones, Hal, and, and this is not a city-based one, this is a country-based one that I actually consulted on, was cattle farmers, where they had a huge tract of land in Alberta. And what their problem was is they were spending so much money on guys and trucks to go and open and close gates to let the cattle go to grazing fields. Well, ultimately, the solution was a drone that would automatically launch and fly up pre-programmed route, and it was analyzing the green and brown. It was literally knowing how much grass was in each of the sections, and then with that data, automatically enabling gates to be opened that would lead a path. And over an afternoon, the cattle would wander into the place that had the most grass, it would then know on its next flight if the cattle had left existing pens and would automatically close the gates. Isn't that this cool, This is on eh? an over 6,000-square-foot farm. Yeah, wow. I, I love those things because there's a problem to be solved, and that's when I kind of like it is when there's a problem. Yeah. But yeah. So, you know, there, there's an application in agriculture that was something that was new versus flying to see mm-hmm. if my plants are good. But in the city, I mean, anything that would you need to be up in the air and to take a look, anything of that nature could yeah. be done because the cameras – it is as good as, as anything that you would put on a helicopter. Right. So yeah. lots of applications. Hey, Al, thanks a lot for this. I appreciate it. Anytime, buddy. Thank you. Al Castell, Alpha Technologies, right here in Winnipeg. You're going to see some people that are going to be very much focused on me in this election. I'm focused on Winnipeggers and building the city for the future. I think Winnipeggers can take a look at how people are conducting themselves during a campaign to get a sense of what it would be like if they actually were in the mayor's office. One of them who's been working with the police union has put it in her policy announcements that they've been drafted in part with the help of a union. That's not something that I want to do. I want to develop policies not being beholden to special or partisan interests. That is Mayor Brian Bowman at his campaign kickoff last night. He did not mention her by name, but obviously he is talking about his main opponent, Jenny Makalek. Jenny joins us on the phone now. Good afternoon, Jenny. Hello, Hal. How are you? Great. Well, you must be happy that the mayor is paying attention to you. You seem to have got his attention. I think we have gotten his attention, but hell, more importantly, I think we've got the attention of an awful lot of Winnipeggers who are looking for a change in leadership here. So is he right? Will you be beholden to special interest groups if you become the mayor? <laughs> you know what, Hal? That is is one of the most ridiculous accusations that I've ever heard. So I'm going to be very clear on this. I am not 
nor will I be beholden to any unions. What I have done in the course of this campaign is something that I think is the exact opposite of the way that Brian Bowman conducts himself, which is to say that I have been performing what a lot of people would call due diligence. I've put a lot of time into consultation with a wide variety of stakeholders and subject matter experts across all of the different issues that Winnipeg is facing. So naturally, considering that public safety is emerging as Winnipeg's number one priority, and it's no surprise, given the violence and the property crime that we're all facing every day, naturally, my consultation would include Winnipeg's frontline police officers, because they're the ones that are performing their jobs on behalf of us every single day. So to be clear, not beholden to any unions, I do support the public service, and I support the frontline men and women that are working hard for Winnipeg every day. He mentioned the police union. You mentioned it here as well. Let me ask you, who else besides the police union did you consult? On the matter of public safety, yes, I consulted with former police chief Devon Clunas. I consulted with the Winnipeg Police Association leadership. I consulted with frontline current police officers. I consulted with retired police officers. I consulted with social service agencies, including the Main Street Project, including the Indian and Métis Friendship Centre, and a wide variety of Winnipeg citizens. So all to say that if I am going to try to create policy that I think is going to be in the best interest of the city, it's important that we hear from all of the stakeholders, as many as possible, so that we can find the right solutions. You see how I know that Winnipeggers want to participate in solving our big problems. And Brian Bowman has been hiding behind his, um, his statement that he will not engage with special interest groups. And what that really means is that he refuses to consult. He's refused to consult on the matters of public safety. He's refused to consult with the taxi industry when he brought forward new bylaws that are crippling that industry here in Winnipeg. He refused to consult with the real estate developers when he brought in the growth fees. And the effect of those growth fees has been to effectively stifle all of the investment that Winnipeggers want to make in this city, and it's going to our RMs. So Brian's determination not to consult is resulting in a whole lot of a whole lot of policy that's backfiring on him and not having the the effect that that the city of Winnipeg needs. You know, on the point of pandering to special interest groups, I'd like to make the point that um, you know the mayor has seemed to have struck struck an alliance with new urbanists who insist that opening Portage and Maine at all costs is the right thing to do, and he's determined to make that happen. So. Who's pandering? He said last night that while you and the other people running against him are focused on him, he's focused on Winnipeggers. <laughs> Is he focused on Winnipeggers? Is he focused on making sure that our economy is growing strong so that we're providing jobs for all of the people that are here in the city and creating the wealth that we need to move forward? I don't think so. Is he focused on Winnipeggers when he's refuses to acknowledge that dumping poop directly into the rivers is something that shouldn't be tolerated? Come on. Well, and that was your announcement today. Talk a bit about that, sewage in our rivers. Well, Hal, here's the thing. We live in Winnipeg. Winnipeg was created by the rivers that are here. And 
we have been dumping raw sewage into the rivers with alarming regularities. And today, the mayor's response to that seems to be, well, it happens all the time, so it's not a big deal, point number one. Point number two, he has a 27-year 27-year plan to deal with it. And that's just simply unacceptable, especially considering the fact that there are some things that we can do right now to mitigate the outflow of raw sewage. You know, one-third of all of these unplanned, this is how they call them, unplanned, untreated sewage outflows. That's the, the words that people use to describe it, the fact that raw sewage poop is going straight into the river. And one-third of all of those incidents happen because of power failures at the lift station. Well, power failures are something that we can mitigate quite easily by installing backup generators. And backup generators at critical infrastructure, that's just best practice everywhere in the world. So we could install backup generators at all 77 sewage outflow stations in Winnipeg for less money than Brian Bowman has already spent on consultants to open Portage and Maine. He said last night to supporters, and again this morning on CJOB for everybody else, uh, to watch how people are conducting themselves in this mayor's race. How should the mayor, whoever that is, whether it's Bowman or you or one of the others, how should the mayor conduct him or herself? I think the most important thing that a mayor needs to do is provide leadership and provide the agenda, which is to say, what are Winnipeg's top priorities? And once those are established, we know what our top priorities are. We need to engage with all of Winnipeg's best and brightest because we have a wealth of knowledge and talent and skills and experience right here in this city who would dearly love to participate in achieving our big objectives. That's one of the clearest differences between Brian Bowman and myself. I have heard from literally dozens and dozens and dozens of people who tell me that they have reached out to the mayor, they have wanted to provide their insights, their knowledge, their skills and abilities to solving the big problems. And Brian Bowman proudly stands up and tells Winnipeg that he refuses to speak to them. How no mayor, no person is an expert in every single municipal issue that Winnipeg is facing. It is impossible to be an expert in sewage treatment and economic development and public safety and road construction. You just can't do it. What we need to do is surround ourselves with the best and the brightest so that we can get to the good action plans and implement them. That's a key differentiator between him and I, and I've demonstrated that throughout the course of this campaign in my policy development process alone. You know, I knew that I wasn't an expert in public safety when I embarked on this campaign, but I also knew that there were an awful lot of Winnipeggers who are. And if we consult with all of the stakeholders, including, and most, you know, even especially the ones who have an opposing point of view, we're more likely to get to the best plans to solve the big problems. Seems like maybe the mayor's race is getting a bit nasty with five weeks to go here, Jenny. Is that really the kind of uh, race that Winnipeggers deserve? You know, what Winnipeggers deserve is they deserve to be presented with clear alternatives. And that is my job, Hal. My job every single day 
is to make sure that the citizens of Winnipeg are aware that there are choices to make and that I am providing an alternative style of leadership with alternative areas of priority and focus, which I happen to believe are Winnipeg's real priorities. And every single day for the next 40 days, I'll be working hard to make sure that Winnipeggers know that they have a clear choice. Jenny, thanks for your time. Thank you, Hal. Have a great day. Jenny Malkalak running for mayor, reacting to comments from current mayor Brian Bowman at his campaign kickoff last night. Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.